what topic is the hardest topic for Americans to talk about? What topic makes more stomachs turn just by mentioning it? What topic is one of the top leading causes uh, that people list for why they got a divorce? What topic makes anger flare in conversation? Is it race? Is it politics? If you guessed money, then you are correct. If you don't know me, my name is Pastor Keon. I get to leave Wellington Heights Community Church with my lovely wife, Pastor Stephanie, and a great team. And we are kicking off our Lenten series. We are in the Lent season. And today we're going to be diving in to this topic of money and generosity. And I've leaned into some seasoned professors and church leaders to talk about the, this topic of money and generosity. And I'm uh, very excited about uh, uh, what we're going to be talking about today. Now, some of you, you might be saying, oh, no, this is the, the moment in which Pastor Keon is going to guilt us into giving to Wellington Heights Community Church. And to that, I want to say I lament with you. I think that there is a better way uh, to talk about generosity and money, a better way than, than the church has in the past. Many of us have experienced hurt coming directly from the church when it comes to money. We have been manipulated into giving to the church as a top Christian duty above loving God and loving people. Some of us have had pastors that imply that you are a sinner if you're not giving to their church. I have heard and experienced stories of people being guilted into giving, manipulated into giving. I've had close loved ones caught nearly uh, emptying their entire bank account because they, they heard a message on giving. This is why I enter this sermon with much trembling and carefulness. And I pray that this sermon will will bring some liber liberation. I pray that this sermon will about money uh, will actually uh, help us to take steps closer to God. Imagine that, a, a sermon about money that, that gets you closer to God. But that's my prayer. Now, when you think about the negative stereotypes uh, of the church from the rest of the world's perspective, one of the top ones that you hear is that the church wants your money. And like I said before, the subject of money, even for church goers, regular church goers, is, is, is a hard and triggering subject. I believe that the church hasn't talked about money in very good ways in the past. And, and there are a group of people that I've been surrounding myself with. How do we talk about generosity and money in better ways? Dr. Cromorde, a professor at uh, Fuller Theological Seminary, suggests that there are at least three unhealthy sermons about money and giving that most people have been exposed to. And it's through the lens of these three sermons that most people are, are looking out of when they hear a pastor um, hear or talk about money. And I wanted to talk through some of these three sermons, and I bet you've heard these sermons. So the first one uh, first unhelpful sermon that that we've we've heard before is the lilies of the field sermon. This comes from Jesus's sermon on the mount when he says in in Matthew six uh, twenty eight through thirty he says Why do you worry about clothes? Notice that the lilies of uh, the field grow; they don't 
wear themselves out with work. They don't spin uh, their own clothes. But I say to you that Solomon in his splendor wasn't dressed like one of these. And if God dresses the grass of the field uh, so beautifully, uh, even though it's, it's alive today and gone tomorrow, how much more uh, should you not worry, you people of weak faith? We take this sermon out of context and make people feel like they're sinners if they worry about money. We've made people guilty when they worry. And this affects the way people approach handling money and even uh, are being open to the conversation about money. So so in this, in this passage, Jesus isn't saying don't worry about money. And he's not saying that if you worry about money, uh, you are a sinner. What Jesus is actually doing is Jesus is inviting us that when you worry about money, bring it to him. Bring your cares to him. It's not discounting your worries. There's Throughout the Bible, there's been legitimate reasons why people were worrying. And what Jesus is saying is, uh, even to them, but to also to us, he's inviting us to bring all of his care, our cares to him. So that's the first sermon, the lilies of the field sermon. The second unhelpful sermon that we've probably uh, been indoctrinated with is the wanting stuff is bad sermon. We have spent so much time as pastors in the church in the past uh, trying to get people to understand that materialism and selfishness are not of God. And that is 100% true. But in the process, we have created this idea that wanting anything is a bad thing. Saying that if you are worried about money, it's because you are wanting the wrong stuff or you're spending your money on the wrong things. Uh, a note, of course, there are spending behaviors that, that we can uh, get better at, right? And sometimes uh, changing your spending behaviors uh, can actually transform you financially. But we cannot take people's legitimate worries and, and, and invalidate them. We, we, we will invalidate people's worries, but then not give them or offer them tools on how to process their legitimate worries. So we're leaving people feeling hopeless, and then they end up avoiding finances and things altogether. I often hear people say, uh, the wanting of money is bad, or the wanting of money in things uh, is the root of all evil. What they're doing is they're misquoting uh, a Bible verse. The, the Bible verse that they're misquoting is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. And this is what Paul says. He's talking to Timothy about, uh, about a church that Timothy is pastoring. He's saying, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Paul says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Idolizing money, the constant chase for money is the root of all evil, not just wanting money. Yes, you must be careful not to worship stuff. You must be careful not to, to covet and chase money and making that your idol. But it doesn't mean that wanting stuff is bad. Adam wanted a companion. God didn't say that that was a sin. He gave him the companion. But when you idolat uh, make it an idol, that's when we have to worry. So that was the second unhelpful sermon. The third unhelpful sermon is the stewardship sermon, the give me your money sermon. The logic behind this sermon is 
if you give your money to the church or to me, it's the same as giving it to God. Th this idea tries to strong arm people into giving to their church, often making people dreadlock into thinking that if they don't give to this church, I'm a bad Christian or I will be rejected by God. And these notions are just not true. So, so we talked about a, a couple of sermons, a few sermons that, uh, that are not so helpful that uh, maybe a lot of us have been exposed to. And I'm sure there are a lot more uh, sermons that, that we're kind of looking, uh, uh, looking through those lenses of those sermons. But let's talk about three helpful frameworks that, that uh, I hope that we can look out, uh, look, we can use when we're talking about money and um, when we're talking about generosity. And the first piece that I think is very important, and it might be a surprising word uh, to use when talking about money and giving, but the first framework is lament. Why lament? I mean, it seems like uh, at Wellington Heights Community Church, we talk about lament a lot. But the reality is this is so important because most of us, when it comes to money, we've actually experienced or are experiencing right now some sort of worry. And all we've been trained to do by the church is to push through, keep going. If, if you're worried, then you're not expressing faith. Most, most of us have experienced some sort of money insecurity. But what do you do with that? What do you do with that? And oftentimes, while we're experiencing these insecurities and these worries, again, instead of offering counsel or relief or space to lament, the church, again, often has told you to just change your spending habits. It's your fault. And then still demand the 10% tithe that you don't have. And then oftentimes you feel like you're going to hell if you don't give the 10%. And sometimes the church will say something like, God, uh, if you continue to give this 10%, then, then, then God will get you out of debt. And you need to just stay continued with your, your faithfulness of, of giving to the church. See, lament gives us language to be honest before God. And we need to be honest before God. It's my desire for our people to, that, to, to learn that they can come to God for all things. That they can, they can be angry with God. They can cry out to God. They can talk to God about their wants, their desires, uh, their, their insecurities, they can bring that all to God. And when people know that they have permission to, to, to come to God for all things, then relief starts to happen. Whether you are doing well or you are homeless, we need to know that we can come to God for all and with all of our worries. When it comes to money, we, we all have been worried, especially now as as prices for common things are at an all-time high. And as a pastor, I again, I encourage you to lament before God. Don't, don't keep it in. Do not keep it in. But be honest with God. The writers of the Psalms did this often. This, this Psalm, um, I, I want to read from um, Psalm 22. It says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far away from saving me? So far from the words of my groanings, oh, my God, I cry out by day, but I hear no answer. I cry out by night, but you are silent. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. Lamenting and praying to God about money is allowed. And you are permitted to do that. 
it is a it is vital for you to come to God um, and it will increase your relationship between God, money and giving. So lament was the first framework. The second framework that I think is helpful when it comes to money and generosity is is looking out of the lenses of generosity. Generosity comes out of being in touch with our own abundance. And it's done out of a desire to reflect God. God is a creator and he is a giver and we are created and we're made in the image of God. And so we we want to reflect his generosity. Now, generosity uh, operates out of the gratefulness and the realization of what we have been given. Generosity doesn't mean that we are unwise and throw caution to the wind. Generosity gives in such a way where you bless others without causing trauma uh, to your own or disregarding your own well-being. Yes, there are times in the Bible where we see great selfless acts uh, of generosity, namely, namely Jesus giving his whole body as a sacrifice. There are moments in your life where God, you may feel God uh, tugging you to do something big, to give generously. Um, and sacrificially in big ways. But most often, God is not asking people to withdraw their entire bank accounts and put their family at jeopardy for the sake of generosity. What God is actually after is the practice of consistent generosity, growing our hearts in generosity and being in tune with what the Spirit is moving us to give and, and what will actually help people. We know that Generosity goes beyond money, right? Generosity includes time and talent. We all know people where giving money is not a, a huge deal for them. But what about your time? Are you generous with your time? Are you sitting and listening to people? Are you learning from others? Or what about your talents? I told my son that uh, I want to teach him everything that I know so that he can be a better man than me. And then also, I want him to teach others those things. Our gifts aren't for ourselves to keep for ourselves and take them with us in the grave, but to share with others. Be sure that you are teaching others and using your gifts and using and giving your time and your talents. Now, the last helpful uh, way uh, to, to think about money and giving is through the lenses of gratefulness and gratitude. Paul says in our scripture reading today, he says, each one must give as he or she has decided in his or her heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. But how do we, how do we become cheerful givers in a society that tells us that we need to take care of our own? Do that first before anything else. How do we become cheerful givers in a society that, that moves us to hoard toilet paper and, and, and paper towels? How do we become cheerful givers in a society that says success is having more than your neighbor? How do we even begin to give cheerfully and to work that into our character? I think that one of the ways is to transform the fear of scarcity into gratefulness. Let's look at what we have and, and give thanks to.
to God for those things. See, society has trained us to operate on fear of scarcity, not the gratefulness of abundance. By this, I'm not saying or degrading anyone's worries or, or state of material poverty. That's a real thing. But when we practice gratitude and gratefulness, we begin to develop a helpful, a healthy relationship with our money and our possessions. So instead of, of wishing I had a better car, it's thanking God for the car that, that I have because I have a car, I can get to work, and, it, and I can be generous with my car. I can give others rides. Now, this isn't negating the fact that you may need a new car, but it's holding both uh, in one hand, lament, I need a new car, and gratefulness, I have a car. It's okay to hold them both together. I want to make a note on cheerful giving. So cheerful giving doesn't, doesn't involve the transactional uh, culture that we are so used to. See, we often give as a transaction. I give you something, I get a service back, or I get a say into what's going on because I've given to you. If you give to a church or a nonprofit or, or an individual, a lot of times we expect uh, to, to have a say and there's a transactional uh, culture. But the opposite of a transactional culture uh, of giving is giving out of gratitude, being generous. So, the second way of, of being a cheerful giver, the, the second way that, that's going to really help us become cheerful givers is that we must understand that we have freedom to give. We have freedom to give. Truly, what is yours is yours to give. You are free to give as much as you want. Remember in our scripture reading, Paul says, each one must give as he or she has decided in his or her heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Are you giving solely out of guilt? Are you giving solely out of shame or because you feel you have no say in the matter? Paul says, make it right in your heart. Consult God. Do, do some introspection. If you are giving begrudgingly or reluctantly, you need to address that. I would say, honestly, if you're giving begrudgingly and reluctantly, stop giving. Stop giving. One pastor said, if you are holding your money so tightly that George Washington's eyes are bulging out, then you need a heart check. Stop giving and take the steps and do the work in your heart to get to a place where you can give cheerfully. But I wanted to make a note that some of us are giving reluctantly because you are choosing between feeding your children and tithing. Choose your children. Choose your lights. God wants you to choose your children. Giving also includes time and talents as well. There are more ways to give generously than just giving our money. Cheerfulness should be the posture in which we give. This is not to say that there is no pain in giving. There's no sacrifice in your giving. However, when you give, like Paul says, give what you have decided in your heart. It's not about how much you give, but the heart behind the gift. We cannot give with a chip on our shoulders or wanting people to see the gift or how wonderful it is 
Uh, Jesus addressed this in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew uh, chapter 6. If you're giving uh, and you want everybody to see how large of a gift or that you're giving at all, that's going to be your own. That's going to be your only reward is people's applause. Paul says that give as your hearts have decided and give cheerfully. At Wellington Heights Community Church, one of the things that we say when it comes to generosity and giving is give something cheerfully. Give something cheerfully. See, generosity isn't about how much, but the why behind giving. Generosity is a virtue to practice. We don't teach about generosity because we want people to tithe. We, we talk about generosity because we want people to reflect the generosity of God. We want, we want generosity to be seen in every part of our lives, not just in conjunction to the church. So the idea of give something cheerfully is to untie the obligations that are traditionally behind uh, giving and then lift up the practice of generosity. So when, when you think about giving to Wellington Heights Community Church, there's no 10% maximum or minimum. It doesn't matter if you're giving $1 a week or $1,000 a week. What we are concerned about is if you are developing and practicing a heart of generosity and the why behind giving, and are you doing it cheerfully? Which leads me to my final way of, uh, a way to, to, to really help us to, to develop this cheerful giving attitude. And it's out of the desire to reflect the giver. See, we are loved because God first loved us. We have a generous God. He owns everything. Everything that we have is actually God's. He even gave up himself, his own life in the form of Jesus. Jesus walked this earth giving, 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 and he even gave his life on the cross for our sins. He took on our punishment. We are worth enough for the God of creation to die for us. God, he gave up his life and, and took our punishment. And what's more is that he rose again. He rose again, giving us new life, reconciling us back to the Father. Don't we have a great God? Don't we have a great Savior in Jesus? Can we, can we commit? Can we commit to reflecting God's generosity in every part of our lives? Would you pray with me? God, we thank you that you are a giving God. And God, even right now, God, we, we want to reflect you in our generosity. We want to reflect you in our love. We want to reflect you in our forgiveness to our enemies, to our neighbors. We want to show the love of God in every part of our lives. God, we thank you so much for who you are, that you are indwelling in us and shaping us and forming us into Christ likeness. We thank you for who you are and what you've done and what you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before you go, I wanted to take some time to thank all those who who contributed to the Building Hope campaign. With your help and your support, we've raised over $190,000 
uh, for our $300,000 goal for the repairs and restoration of the church building and the church house. Now, throughout the months and in the months to come, uh, floors are being uh, refinished. The foundation is supported. Waterproofing is done. Drywall is being put up and there's still much more uh, to be done. One of the things that we are working on right now is exterior doors. Uh, this project could cost anywhere from $8,000 to $12,000. And we want strong and safe exterior doors. So our goal for this Lenten season is to raise $10,000 to cover the cost of those doors. If you want to give to this project, there will be a slide with giving options. And when you give, go ahead, whether you are giving online or by mail, go ahead and, and uh, put on the memo line, Building Hope Campaigns. That way we know that it's going straight to the Building Hope Campaign. Otherwise, you have options to give to general operations funds that help support the sustainability and the growth of the Wellington Heights Community Church ministry. Hey, thank you so much for your generosity. And if you want to find out more ways of how you can give your, your time and your talents, uh, please just reach out to, to us. We'd love to have a conversation. Thank you so much. You have a great rest of your Sunday. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Remember to turn on your notifications to be the first to listen to future episodes. Also, be sure to like and share this podcast and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We are relying upon the benevolent gifts of donors to continue our ministry in an urban setting. So if you are compelled to give, please give a gift at donorbox.org backslash WHCC. Hey, thank you and be blessed.